Hey everyone, welcome back to Light in the Ghetto. Thank you for tuning in with us again. It's your girl Bree. Hello, friends. It's Ashmina, the healing artesian. What up, what up, what up? It's Webby Little Trill the fam. No, I'm just playing. It's it's K Moon. <laughs> oh goodness. All right, well, we back at you guys with another week of get on this. So go ahead, get the deweys out, fellas. Females, if you got a dewey, get that too. Wrap your hair, lay your edges, do what you need to do because it's going to be a drag. Um, this week, we are talking about old church versus new church. Ooh. Oh. What y'all think about that? Old church versus new church. Um, I feel like a, go ahead. I feel like in a sense it's almost like the world looks at it like um seasoned saint versus millennial saint. And they think the two cannot exist. I think that's that's a that's a good idea or a good point. Uh I was gonna say it just it reminded me or like after our conversation when we finished last week's about generational uh, struggles, curses, mishaps, and all of that, that along with that comes, like we talked about, like some of the stuff that we talked about, we talked about how older or seasoned persons may see that as us, like talking about family business or like a lot of the, the what's the word? connotations or just the the thoughts and ideas and the oh the stigma that's not the word I wanted to use but like the stigma and that came from like the old church and the you know although Jesus says that we can come as we are there's still that stigma that we have to be perfect and that we have to be a certain way um to be able to be accepted in the church and a lot of people I know around our age they don't rock with that and so I feel like there's been a disconnect, like you were saying that it, people act like you can't coincide. And so there's been a disconnect um, in the church because of that. Because I know that when I, in 2017, I was, I feel that's one of the closest times that I was to God. I prayed all the time. I talked to him all the time, but I did not step foot in a church. Um, just because of the church that I grew up in, it made me have a distaste for church um, and a mixture of that. And then what was happening outside of the church, I was like, well, that's, I'm okay with church. We, not, we don't have to go there. And someone had told me like, well, you have to fellowship with people. And I was like, okay, that's cool. We can kumbaya or we can pray together somewhere else, but I'm not going to church because God is where we are. And that's not always in church. Um, I found a church though, but that can come later, (laughs) but that's what I think of so far that to in the beginning of the conversation. I like that you touched on that, like what, what your experience was. Kay, what was your experience with church growing up? Um, So I was one of those kids that like was very heavily involved in church. Like my mom was on the praise dance team. I was on the praise dance team. Somebody was singing, somebody was running the lights. Somebody was playing the music. Somebody was serving communion. Like somebody was in uh, usher and training. Like I was always in the church. Um, 
And I just remember watching, because I, I, I've also was a very observant kid. And I remember even being young in the church, um, not only my experience, but so many others was that there was so much shame-based activity happening in the church. Um, rather, it had been like people were leaving the church because they had been shamed for what they did or what there was speculation about what they did. Uh, I would, that, like, like I said, I was one of those kids who, you know, we have Monday night prayer, we had Tuesday rehearsal, we had Wednesday rehearsal, we had Thursday kids choir, we had Friday kids Bible study, like we had all kinds of stuff. And I just remember um, we would have people who were so talented and like so motivated for God, but um, like I'll never forget this, this lady, she had got pregnant. And when I say, even at a young age, I knew God's hand was in her throat. Like the way this woman sang, like God's fingers was all in her voice box and they removed her from the praise and worship team because they said she had a baby out of wedlock and she ended up leaving the church. And I just remember thinking like, this can't be God. Like that, that, that can't be God. The God that you guys are telling me about while I'm going to church Monday through Friday and then also Saturday and Sunday, this isn't lining up with what the actions that I'm seeing. It was a lot of shame based stuff. Everything was like, oh, you did this. Well, we don't talk about this. We don't do this. And I remember, um, I remember very vividly, it was like a watch night service and we were praying and they were like, bow your heads. And I had asked, um, cause my family was close with the preacher and I had asked like, why do we bow our heads if God is in heaven? And they kind of like shushed me and was like, uh, you know, just be quiet. Just put your head down and pray. And I just remember feeling like, I would never be in a, I will never be comfortable in a space where I can't ask questions. Um, and even as I grew up in the church, I feel like my experience was very much that all of the people who were looked at and very highly and well-respected in the church were people who just kind of arrived. Nobody ever knew how they got there. And it was like me as a person who was a teenager, well, like a young adolescent and a teenager growing up, I knew what the teenagers was doing. And they mom and dad was like deacons and head of the usher board and all kind of stuff. And I'm like, this is really crazy because so many people are either leaving the church or they're living a hidden or secret life because their church, the space that is supposed to be home, the hospital for the broken is making them feel as though they don't belong here. And so those were some of my, verse, my first views of church was that it was, a, it was a very hush hush place. If anything was going on, this is how we, we, we didn't know about this stuff. And, and behind the scenes, I knew of, you know, the teenagers was having sex. I knew like the kids was out here doing, like just doing all kinds of stuff. Like what we would call being fast, you know, a hot tail. They was out here doing all this stuff and nobody could talk about it or nobody had like those supports to say like, okay, so this is what you do. It was just always so shamed and, and ridiculed all the time. And it was just, that that was that was most of my experience is that everything was very hush everything was very judgmental um and everything was very pretend like we had to pretend that we were somebody else in the house of god and that just never sat well with me it just never it never sat well with me i never liked it so um that was a lot of my early experience it was very secretive judgmental and also hypocritical because my mom was friends with people in the church i know what y'all do on the weekends so stop so yeah, that was a lot of what turned me off um, initially to the church. It was a place that I was always there and I always felt like obligated to be because it was out of routine, but it wasn't until I switched up what my ideas uh, were and what I was surrounding myself around um, that I actually engaged with 
um, I guess, like the church or really God, you could say. Thank you. I think I um I can relate a lot to that to both of you guys, but um, I have a background where I came up with two different kind of denominations. My dad was one side, and they were very like loose, like all the strict. They were loose compared to my mom's side. I should say that. Um, they could live worldly but still go to church and praise god they could drink they could smoke they could cuss they could do whatever they didn't have to be perfect they could wear whatever they wanted to church whereas when i would go to church on my mom's side it's like you have to be perfect holier than thou i remember um when i started going to church by myself um like my sister would take me but i was singing in the choir and then some older saints and approach me in the church and mind you I'm a kid they're talking about why is your skirt so short why don't you have long sleeves on and I had to tell my mom and she had to come up there and tell them like do not approach my child about what she has on she's not going to wear a turtleneck and she's fine she looks appropriate and I just remember everything having to be a certain way uh, also most of my family members are something in the church, whether it's the preacher, the pastor, the minister, the elder, the missionary, the evangelist, everybody is something. So it felt like we had to be, or we were held to a higher standard. And I watched my older cousins make mistakes or basically just live life by like having a baby or anything. And they got sat down immediately as well. But I also watched a place where you're supposed to be able to be healed and grow a place where people will shun you and like manipulate as well. I had a lot of gifts. I had a lot of talents growing up. And if I didn't do what a particular person in my family wanted me to do, they like shunned me and isolated me and kicked me out of everything. And I just didn't feel comfortable going back because they were trying to push me into doing something that I know that Jesus didn't tell me to do yet. And I just felt like, how are you ministering to me and leading me to all these places? But who's the minister here? Who are you listening to? Who's guiding your decisions? And I just felt like it's a lot of intense pressure. And I had a turning point where I had to think for myself, like, okay, what is this even? Like, what do the denominations mean? Because every, every denomination believes something different. We all believe in God and the Christian religion, but depending on if you're Baptist or apostolic or Kojic or whatever it is, it's something different. There's a different set of rules. And it wasn't until I explored those and really started seeking God for myself where I had to figure out it's not even about the church. Was there a moment for you guys where you were like, okay, what is this even really about? Like where you had to explore for yourself? And if so, what was that experience like? How did you come to where you are today to be a light in this ghetto? For me, I didn't do a lot of exploration. The church that I grew up in was Baptist. And I, the friends that I had that did go to church, like outside of my church, I think they went to Baptist as well. Honestly, I thought that all Black people went to Baptist churches. Um, and then, like I said, in in undergrad, I didn't really, I would go to the one church that was on campus every now and then, um, but I didn't really 
like seek a church or try to go. I've always prayed and kind of had, you know, party of one. Um, but after, um, when, like I said, in that year of 2017, when it was just me and God, um, he wasn't my supervisor, but a supervisor at the job that I had. Um, I was telling him like, you know, I don't need a church because I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm more spiritual. I got on that train. Um, and I was like, you know, it's, it's me and God. So I'm cool. And he, again, he was like, that's cool. But you know, don't, I, I'm not going to quote the scripture because I don't know about heart, but he was talking about how you have to fellowship with other people. You have to pour into other people's cups and they pour into yours. So when I moved to Texas in 2018, I was like, okay, I'll get serious about finding a church. Before that, my mom had sent me, um, a sermon from Michael Todd, his first relationship goals. And so at first I was bedside Baptist for a while. And I was like, well, this is good. You know, like it's still a church, but you know, I don't have to physically go anywhere. Um, but being in a new city by myself, um, I was like, okay, well, I'll search a church. And I also allowed myself to explore. I think the, I can't really remember the first church I went to the denomination, but I told myself that I would shop around. And so I feel like that's also another thing. Like once you find a church, you stick to that church because the church that I grew up in, people were gone there literally from birth up until, you know, retirement season. And so I also allowed myself or tried to use that um, that free will to be able, I wasn't, you know, church hopping or what have you, but I was like, I don't have to stick to this church just because it's the first one that I find or because a friend referred it to me. Thankfully, the second church that I found, um, I loved it. And that's the church that I go to now. And it's non-denominational. Um, you can see kind of like the foundation of, um, different denominations with the people, especially the leaders of the church, but it's definitely, um, cause my Baptist church, I wasn't allowed to wear jeans or pants per se until like my high school year of uh, my senior year of high school. But this church, you know, I can wear my little t-shirt and jeans. I like that, you know, everybody likes their little kicks and stuff. Um, and so it, it, as you were explaining the, your dad side of church, I feel that with my church, like it's definitely a come as you are. Um, we talk about things that, you know, quote unquote old churches um, won't talk about or won't touch. Um, it's, it's really helped me grow because I did growing when it was just me and God uh, in my apartment, but I've also been accelerating um, at a quicker rate because of the people that I've come to um my church is cool like you know we got little tribes i'm in a, a poetry tribe and one thing that i'll get off my soapbox in a little bit but <laughs> one thing that i also like about the church or that i noticed is they have a mission statement and the mission statement is um, find family discover purpose and change the world and when i moved to texas it was so i could um at the very least, find my purpose, but I'm thankful that I've been able to build a family with them. And um, when you discover your purpose, especially when it's in alignment with God, is to change the world. And so sometimes I have to remind myself, like, look at the people that you're around, look at the community that you're building. Um, and so again, I'm thankful that it took me one and a half tries 
before I found this church. But like I said, I literally thought that I would never step into church again because as a kid, I felt like I was forced to go. I was also, I was on the mime team, the choir, the puppet ministry, doing the plays. I was there all the time and I didn't like it. And I saw a lot of the shame and the the double standards, um, all of these things. So I was like, I'm on my own. We're not going to church. I still love the Lord, but we not, we're not going to a church. And so I'm just, God will show you, but I also asked. I was intentional about it. So that's where I am now. Okay, Kizzle. Um, I would say for me, the turning point in my relationship with church was when I stopped going to the churches that my mother was going to. Um, and I say that not because my mom was like going to, you know, bad churches or anything, but I realized that what she was seeking in God and what God was looking for, for me to find in him were not the same. Um, and I realized that when I was going to a church that my mom was going to, it was out of duty. It was out of duty and feeling like an obligation to, I mean, go where your mom goes. Like you're her kid, go, go where she goes. And I started to recognize that I, I wasn't growing there. And I was moving out of a sense of like, well, you know, just don't say anything, don't shake the table, don't nothing like that. And it was not a personal experience for me. It was a, it was a familial obligation. It was something that I was doing because like as a family, we were going, mom was waking us up like, okay, everybody get ready for church. Um, and it wasn't until I started to kind of seek those things on my own that that began to change for me. And even having conversations with her, it was conversations where I would hear about how, well, yeah, so-and-so at this church is doing this. And, um, oh, so-and-so that left the church and so-and-so they had this drama after church. And I realized that wasn't the atmosphere that I wanted to be in. And I knew that I wanted more so of a relationship. I knew that I didn't want to stand in a building every Sunday in front and put on a show for who me and God really was. And so I think for me, my turning point was starting to um, bring God into what I was currently doing. Um, and once I started to feel that comfortability with doing that and God kind of made it okay to be myself and seeking him at the same time and not that I had to become him in order to seek him, which is what I felt like the message was in any of the churches that I was growing up, which was that you got to damn there be God. Like you got to be, know the scripture front and back, round and round and up and down in order to even present yourself in the church and for anybody to hear you or know you or look at you as though that you were anybody that God called. And what I learned through my own research was that church is not a building, church is a vessel. Um, and if I truly allow God to use me and I did studying and did, you know, kind of my own exploring and finding out about who he was and who he could be to me, that I could do that. And I started to live, I mean, pretty transparently in my journey as far as that went. Um, and I started to really notice that, like, I would go to church, like I would visit my mom's church and I would go up in the pulpit and they'd be like, you know, and they ain't seen you in a long time. They'd be like, tell us where you've been, tell us your testimony. And they'd be like, okay. And I'd be like, yeah, I remember one day I was in my dorm getting high and Jesus, and they'd be looking like, hold on, hold on, cut the cameras, take the mic, get it from up there. And it would be like, but at the end of the day, there's somebody sitting in the back of the church. That was them last Saturday. And the reason, and the fact that we're shaming that story and making it seem like I don't know God because that's my truth. That's the reason why that person back there will not return and will not find God today. 
Um, and once I recognized that there was more power in that, I realized that I couldn't stick to tradition. I had to, I had to step out into the mode that God was calling me to be in. And I mean, as that's been going on, I've just been getting more and more comfortable in that skin of knowing that if God chose you, he knew exactly who you were. And I think the old church has this thing of God chose me, but he's not going to actually use me until I become perfect. And I think they taught that to people. And that was just like the mode that just was pressed and copied over and over and over again. Um, but I would say the big turning point for me literally was when I was on my own and I didn't feel the obligation to engage in church because it was something we were doing as a family traditional activity. Um, it was something that I was doing because I wanted to see God and made the experience personal for myself. I think that's mainly what it's about. And you touched on a good point, like having the ability to just stand out and be different because everybody wants you to be the same and go with the traditions and the norms. And in my journey, transitioning from old church to new church or figuring out what church even is, I had a couple of inspirations or um, influencers that helped me to see what this can be. Like the first one is my stepmom. I don't know if you ever met her before, but like she is from Mac and Bewick. She will cut you. She loves to drop it low sometimes, but she's also a minister. And I had never heard of a female being a minister before her. I had never seen a woman comfortably be able to walk up in a pulpit, tear the house down, and then go back home and laugh and giggle and sing to all the songs that she very well loves to. She loves a good prince. Don't tell her that you saw prince and didn't invite her. Like she's authentically herself. And with seeing that and picking her brain and learning about how she came to be where she is, it allowed me to start exploring and seeing and finding other people like Sarah Jakes Roberts, Kiara Sheard is another one. Sis has tattoos. And I was like, <laughs> You can have tattoos and love Jesus too. Listen, because I have a couple. Wow. Um, so I want to know, do y'all have any inspirations or influencers that helped you guys kind of see what it is or like, this is what I think I want to be like or I want to do? Do you guys have anything or anyone like that? Um, Sarah is the girl. That's my girl. I swear we best friends. Um, so definitely Sarah. And I think that um, Michael Todd, um, he was a good one. He, like I said, I listened to him before I was like, well, let me find a church. Um, because they are very relatable and they don't, you know, they aren't wearing your uh, typical pastor priest, um, uniform or whatever it's called, um, on the podium, especially Sarah, like she'll, and she's transparent. Well, they both are, but they're transparent about their walks where they used to be. Um, and then even my church, like I'm very blessed to be at the church that I'm at because they are also transparent. Um, we, we can kiki about things that are not of God, but, you know, of course, within the parameters, but just their transparency um, in their, in their stories um, where they've been, their testimonies, but also um, like when they pastor when they preach and um when they speak words and they speak life over you it's very transparent and 
I this is one of the only times or one of the first times that I felt truly seen for who I am and still accepted and still loved. Um, because I had a I had a, a a perspective or a certain thought of what I thought that I had to look like or who I had to be um, in order to be loved by God or to be in a church, um, and I and I'm still fighting through some of that um, because I swear that I'm transparent, but just even recently, um, Kayleen always says it, but like you know God can't bless where you pretend to be, and I feel like there's that stigma or that uh, that unspoken announcement that we have to be a certain way in order to be in church. And so intentionally, because I, I feel like this podcast, um, all of us, um, one of the purposes of it, if you're truly intentionally trying to um, be a light and you know work through your seasons and get to know God, you have to be intentional about it. And so I was intentional finding this church. I was intentional of being in community and looking for influences of what I haven't seen before, but what I was looking for where God was leading me to. I have a spiritual accountability mentor at my church. And one of the first things she said to me was, okay, now I'm gonna kick it to you straight. Some people think that I could be a little blunt. And I said, honestly, that's what I need. Like I need the transparency. I need the accountability. Um, because as we were talking earlier in our Bible study, like I need to destroy my comfort zone. And one of those steps looked like seeking her out because I've saw I've seen her transparency. I've seen the way that she literally will kick it to you straight. Like this ain't it, fam. Like that's that's not you, or you know, this is what you need to be doing. And she's read me for filth a few times, but it was all out of transparency. And I I I appreciate that and I hope to be an influence like her and then like I said going back to Sarah and I think she's everybody's girl but yeah um I would say for me I mean y'all really named them for real but um Sarah Jakes Roberts definitely is one she is like like when I just think about her presentation, her presentation of her messages, her presentation of like what we would consider or society would consider flaws in her life, um, God is truly using those for the glory. And then when I think about uh, Pastor Mike, he literally is a visual embodiment of the culture um, and uses that to his advantage every Sunday. So it's like um, those are living and breathing examples for me, anyways, that are reminders of stay who you are. Because when I think about you know, when they preach and like when they minister, of course, I love the things that they're saying, but what captures my attention and it's one, and I hope I don't mess it up, but uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes actually talks about it when he says that like your, um, your effectiveness is not in your style, it's your anointing. Um, and so when people talk about like, oh, because a person talks a certain way or because they talk really loud or they talk really soft, it's not in the style. Your style is not what makes you effective. I could be a person that huffs and uh, in the, the old church, like huff and puff while I'm talking and, and still not be a lick of effective. Um, but what makes them most effective is their anointing that's on their lives. Like their stories are these stories that literally in the church are shamed. Like these, the stories that they, that are their life are the stories that the old church says, oh no, we got to sit you down. Oh no, we got to be quiet about that. Oh, we can't talk about that. And those are the things that they're using for God's glory. And so those are definitely two of my role models that I look to um, because I just feel like they're so, 
there's such a great example of how people talk about you can't be the culture and you can't have God, but they're using the culture to show God. And I think that that is just like such a cool combination. Um, so those are definitely two for me um, that I look at. Literally, I listen to Sarah Jakes Roberts every single morning, every single morning <laughs> I listen to her um, and she you know drags me for filth um and Pastor Mike has such a relatable way of telling the gospel um I thought I was the only person who read the bible like an episode of love and hip-hop but I'm not and I, I appreciate that I appreciate him sharing that um but they normalize they normalize what it takes to to reach um to reach or be reached by God I like that they tell the middle part you know everybody talks about everybody has a um, a chapter of their book that they don't like to read out loud and they it's like they put extra emphasis on that chapter um, and I really like that so for me it makes my walk with God feel okay um, it makes me feel like in my walk with God it's okay to be flawed um, and it's okay to you know not get everything right because I also see a great example of how God can also use it for him to get the glory so those are the two people that I look to Like we got a lot of powerhouses here. So if you didn't like catch those again, we said, well, my, I didn't tell my stepmom's name. Her name is Cheryl Chanel Shoemake. Wow, that's a sh sh Cheryl Chanel Shoemake. She's an author, a writer, minister, all of that. Sarah Jakes Roberts, if you don't know her, you should get to know her. She is a pastor, a speaker, podcaster, lady, powerful. Kiara Sheard. She can sing the house down, Mike Todd, he can preach the house down and make you laugh all in the same token. So make sure you check those people out. Um, what are some, some final words that, you could, that we could leave with the people? Um, thinking more along the lines of what's the God in you that the old church would be like, nah, sis, but God is like, yes, yeah, sis. That could be like really inspirational to the next person to know like, hey, I can do this. I would say for me, it is um, that my my mistakes, my flaws, my ungodliness, my my dark moments, they're not secrets. They're not secrets and I will remain transparent about them because um, there's somebody who's looking for a God that's okay with that. There, there's, there's somebody who's looking for a God that will take them like that. Um, and so like that's that's just advice for you and for me uh the the dark times those aren't secrets they're dark because there's light on the way but but they're not dark because you shouldn't tell people about them or that they should be kept a secret uh to piggyback off of that um everything that you've been through if you're able to speak it or tell it there's purpose within it and so like kayleen was saying about the dark places he uses god uses the dark to spread his light and if it's completely dark he is the light and so i would say that but also come as you are which is still piggybacking off of what she said because everything that you've been through even your darkest deepest ugliest thought or what you deem as a secret just because you haven't spoke it to man being meaning another person doesn't mean that god one he knew that it happened but he also knew that it was going to happen and remember that all things work together 
for the good according to his will for those who believe in him. And so know, and as Kayleen has said before, and I've heard uh, Pastor Michael Todd say it as well, um, God can't bless where you pretend to be. So you can start by just saying, God, look, this is where I'm at. It's real ghetto. It's a little dirty. I got the lights on when I should have turned them off because the light bill is due, but this is what I got. And he'll be like, great, now let's go. I would have to say that um, God calls the broken people. So if you're not perfect, he looks for imperfect people to fulfill his purpose, his plan, his desire. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the perfect hairstyle, the perfect outfit. You don't have to speak perfectly. Um, if you cuss a little bit, he's going to work with you. If you still like to twerk a little bit, he's going to work with you too. If you still struggle with being addicted to some sort of thing, if you were perfect, then there would be no, no room for him to come in and infiltrate your life and use you. So as you are, as Ashley said, come as you are, please, please, you are welcome here. You don't have to live up to anybody's expectation but his and his is to just be yourself and seek him and hopefully hopefully in seeking him you will find all the glory all the prosperity all the fruit that you could eat out of the garden of eden okay i mean that's what i got well Y'all got through another episode. Oh my God. Look at y'all. Look at them, y'all. They got through another episode with us. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Ooh, so I guess we got to come with something spicy this next time for them. Yeah, I know, right? I think we can oh, and I want to, I feel like we should, you know, at some point include them in on the thing. So like, if ever you guys have suggestions, I think there's like a way to leave comments or if you want our socials and you can at some point reach out and say, hey, can y'all do an episode on this? We can do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's y'all socials? Uh, my name is my name on everything. So Kayleen Powell, K-A-Y-L-E-E-N-P-O-W-E-L-L. -L. First name, last name. Ash dot Amina, A S H dot A M I N A. Mine is I Shuby. It's I S H U B E E. You can also get me on BS with Bree. That's literally the letter B, the letter S, W I T H B R I. Wow, look at that. Y'all know how to find us now, too. That's Instagram, that's Twitter, that's Facebook. <laughs> oh my God. It's everything. Let us know what you want to hear. And y'all see me on there and y'all be like, wow, she's acting out. Mind your business. Thanks. Is you in my business? You in my Don't business. Do Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. All right, y'all. We will see y'all um, on the next episode continue to ride this wave with us and it's gonna be here for a long time okay okay all right y'all bye bye, bye.